All right. Hi, everyone. We're starting to do the Zoom calls in this beautiful space in the city where the internet's quite strong. So um, we're pretty happy with that. It's been quite hard to do things in the rain in the mountain. And uh, yeah. So welcome to Yellow. And thank you for those who have sent ahead certain feedback and questions. Ricardo in particular sent a pretty nice one. Yellow is very central in a way it's kind of heart, specifically in the chakra system and solar plexus. So it holds the sun and um, a lot of the buildup kind of settles in here. So it's quite good to have a healthy discussion. And I'd like to really invite people who have some experiences in the holding of the sessions to chime in as maybe the insights kind of build up. Okay, so yellow is about doing for many. It's about the manifestation. How do things happen? How are things done? What is the creative potency that arises from the womb space, um, the space of conception? So there's a little bit of the masculine within this power center and Thus, there's huge interest in general. Ricardo's question has, I think, something to do with balance. How do we balance out from the new imbalance that's having to happen, whether it be in the time of COVID or whether it be at the time of the spiritual awakenings taking place now? The inner dance has something to say, and a lot of the communication is happening through the music. It's happening through the playlist. And one might have to experience it somehow to start to understand the vocabulary the energy holds. Now, I've been sharing quite a load of topics, and they're the kind of topics that hold a range of topics, uh, meaning they're, they're things that are talking about a lot of things condensed, um, things that interest us hugely. To name some of these topics, um, altered states, psychology is one. We're gonna be talking about the circadian rhythms and the autonomic nervous system, namely what mediates a lot of these topics is the brain, which is synonymous with the entire central nervous system, which is talking about electrical pathways really. Uh, amongst the biological elements of the body, the most spiritual would be the systems that host 
how light, how energy, how electricity passes through us, where somehow the human body is merely a conduit for light. So if you want to talk about um, the generalizations of energetics in general, this is the space for that. Before going into a return into language, a return into psychology, an understanding of the mind and of culture, we kind of need to hold this middle ground. Um, and so I think there's a deep responsibility in the inner dance facilitation that has to hold even a basic understanding of what, what is this thing that we're doing. Um, you know, there's like a lot of randomness. There, there's a lot of freedom given to people who can make things up as they go along. And that's what makes this process really, really beautiful. But there's also a sense that it's not really random. Either in the trainings, we receive information that helps us to understand the patterns. But on your own, you're bound to discover these anyway. It, it's bound to come up in your space that there are certain ways of touching people. There are certain ways of singing to people that conduct certain effects. And there's a desire to more or less um, come into that intelligence in a way. For me, I really trust this energy uh, because of the sheer effect it's had. You know, like when you come into organizational work, you sort of need to put in so much resource and time in order to create certain feedbacks. Um, and so people who organize things in the corporate or in the activisms, the NGO world, a lot of us kind of knows how much devotion and organizational elements need to come into play to get things to happen. There's something interesting about the inner dance and the way it's spread across the world that seems so natural that um, coming from where I'm coming from, I'm not very organizational as a person, but the fact that there's so many variations of inner dance in the world people kind of trust that and are interested in it, um, that we didn't really put so much, um, so much left-brained, you know, analytical, uh, organizational, disciplined processes there. It's, it kind of just self-organized itself. <laughs> There's something about it that was really organic and people trusted it. For me, it's primarily because there's something in the body that was waiting to be spoken to that might seem chaotic, that might seem really organic, something wild. But nonetheless, there's something very organizational in that wildness that is synonymous with an intrinsic and innate patterning in the body that was waiting to be held somehow and so it's always a gift to be able to talk about this then, to, to have healthy conversations about these patterns is really rich. Um, and so I've been sharing a lot of these 
lectures and, and, and talks and write-ups that I feel are quite valuable. It feels almost like you belong to certain emerging traditions in the world that have been there. And even before you probably met Inner Dance, you are interested in a lot of these already. And it's up to you to pick up these passion points that you find relevant. It depends on what you have experienced in the expanded or altered states that um, you can compare to what's happening in the inner dance that's converging, that is synthesizing, that's helping evolve what you already know in, in many ways. Um, so it's quite good to understand that we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. So much of the experimentations that have happened in the East, in, 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 in the South, you know, in Africa, in the Aboriginal places, in, in Asia, in the Orient, in the East, and then what's happened in the West, whereby people have really pushed the edges, the boundaries of the mind. Um, really altering like the, the normal in many ways that have brought about so much contributions. One example is when I share this Catherine Malibu talk, especially in the way she makes references to the work of Dan, Daniel Schmael on his book, The, the Brain, uh, no, Deep History in the Brain, coming from his post in Harvard University, uh, it, it's quite interesting that a lot of the work in altered states of consciousness actually also began in Harvard maybe 30 or 40 years ago. If you're familiar with the experimentations that Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert were conducting um, from the vantage point of psychology and psychiatry um, when LSD and magic mushrooms were starting to come into the East Coast of America. And, and then when you think about Terence McKenna and some other people who were in the West Coast over at Ber Berkeley, the University of California. You know, there were these movements happening in Southern and Northern California. Um, Daniel Schmael's entry point now kind of harkens a lot of those psychedelic revolutionary insights, but there, there's some degree of responsibility in the articulations of how he words the psychotropic, you know, psychotropism, which might be the, the tropical psychology, the psychology of the, the tropics that's being accessed by people who are beginning to travel to these different parts of the world that are coming from the temperate climates, the, the European, the, the Americans who are being supported by a lot of these strange experimentations, these strange workings that were beginning to access the Indian mysticism, the Indian spiritual traditions back when the mind was really 
closed and conservative, we, we almost need to check in with the notes that came about from that time when things were still quite new. Right now, it's not really that novel anymore, the things that we're talking about. And, and we, we, we can't simply keep going into loops. It, it's okay to keep experimenting with the same traditions that have been there, but we also need to be illuminated by the insights that have emerged from our parents and our parents' parents who kind of know about this, but we, we, we need to attest that we, we have access to things that they didn't really have as much access to. For one, there wasn't as much awareness of the brain back then. And people like McKenna, people like Leary, people like Alpert, um, Richard Alpert's more famous name is Ram Das, someone who had just passed away recently, um, including McLuhan. A lot of the pattern recognition that was taking place 50 or 60 years ago wasn't informed by what we have access to now. And they named it, they said, there are certain things that will be illuminated 30 or 40 years from now once certain sciences develop. Um, that, that's upon us now. And inner dance seems to maybe hold something interesting for you, maybe. I'd, I'd like to point out that when you, in fact, read up or listen to some of the radical sciences that are beginning to look at altered states of consciousness, a lot of them are actually quite basic. Like when I listen to Shmael, when I listen to Malibu, and these are the cutting edge thinkers looking at neuroplasticity and the spectrum available to the brain and the autonomic nervous system, they're actually quite basic in my view, it feels to me that science itself seems to be bound up and has to stay within a conservatism that is not able to access a lot of things that people are already experiencing in a way. So I remember in 2018, I wrote a really long letter to Catherine Malibu after having have read and listen to the audio version of the Brain of History talk. I was about to go to Kopangyan Island in Thailand, and um, I was maybe channeling a lot of the things that Kopangyan for me represents. You know, like the the full moon party capital of the world, where so much ayahuasca experiences are taking place. That tantric experimentations alongside the yoga and the, the, the raw food, like deep ecology and, and so on and so forth. And, and listening to Daniel Shmael and Chakrabarti and um, Catherine Malibu speaking about the modern articulations that kind of justify this losing of consciousness, this, this ego death, 
inside the geological sciences. The, the new earth sciences are beginning to talk about the mind of the human is becoming the mind of the earth. And um, it, it, you know, I just feel like there's a lack of representation within the spiritual awakenings whereby people already kind of know this, that there are already emerging languages, there are emerging experiential understandings of this. So there's like a meeting point somehow where people who are working on the brain, working on neuroplasticity, working on the autonomic nervous system, they're, they're, they're understanding a lot of the patterns that would be useful for people who are experiencing these patterns. And I was interested in where it would meet. So I wrote a really long letter to Catherine Malibu and she responded super favorably. Where I was coming from was from the point of view of a Southeast Asian who, who has a default mechanism in psychotropism, meaning I come from the tropics and my brain is kind of psychedelic, like in a certain way. And, and I felt like I, I, I myself wasn't represented in a lot of the continental psychology and continental philosophy that has slowly emerged out of Europe over the last 500 or 600 years that holds very amazing insights as to who, who are we from a structural perspective, from a non-mystical, non simply spiritual place. There, there are a lot of applicable elements there that I am able to perceive and, and find useful in my own explorations on energetic blueprints, like in a way that marries a lot of my own experiential understanding of what I find in my own traditions and in the, the Asiatic in general that I've been long interested in. Um, so there's a lot of excitement inside me as to how inner dance itself might contribute in the future and in fact has already contributed based on the findings on the autonomic nervous system. Let me give you one example. I had a sit down with um, one of the more esteemed professors in uh, a very important school. It, it's in the Northern California uh, area. I, I forget the name of the school, I'll look it up. But basically I was talking to this Dean of the psychology department. And, and this is a really important school because this was the one that was founded by Abraham Maslow himself, which means that this is the, the seat of transpersonal psychology. Um, th these, are the, th these are the places where holotropic breathwork started, which is very much the, 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 the inner dance of its time. When, when you look at what was the inner dance 30 or 40 years ago, it was holotropic breathwork, which is very science-based, but very, very revolutionary in its experimentations and its paying heed to the shamanic and the tribal mindset. So I'm, I'm sitting down with this dean who supposedly is one of the most legally drugged academics in the world, meaning his, his 
studies in the psychedelic mind, his, his experiential and experimental studies on what is the ayahuasca, what is the magic mushrooms of the brain, what is the LSD of the brain. Um, he's done quite a bit of work in terms of the patternings that we somehow are revolving around in. But when I brought him my notes and when I checked in with him, I was worried at the fact that he couldn't actually catch up with where I was. He was saying, this is very, very interesting, Pai, but there hasn't really been that much work that's noticed a lot of the insights that you've been work, working on. Um, so I, I felt really amazed at how revolutionary the, the basis of the work is, but I, I was quite horrified that we, we don't have that much to converse with where the world is at in terms of why does the mind kind of go where it does? Like, like, like what do we in fact know about embodied cognition and the wisdom in what we call the human body that goes into these spiritual states? It, it spoke to me that a new science needs to in fact start to emerge from somewhere and for me, that, that poses a really big question mark. Does it mean that scientists need to go into deeper experiential understanding in order to draw out institutional um, visions that will be applicable to schools, to hospital systems, um, understanding that a lot of the frameworks that they're holding are in fact quite basic and aren't, isn't really that applicable for me. Or does it mean that inside the spiritual minds, there is a scientific mindset that starts to emerge that's able to uh, come up with certain theories of understanding that will be really, really helpful, like in a certain way. So this is my effort. This is my passion, my, my task. That, you know, it's what gets me out of bed. It, it's for me a, a life purpose in a way, it's my birth vision, is to, while I'm still alive, create useful paradigms that brings about not just an experience of inner dance, but a sense of responsibility around consciousness itself. Like, like inner dance has something to say, it begins with the experience, but then look at this, look, look at what we found so far. So when I look at feedbacks like what Carolina just shared in the IDES one WhatsApp group, for me that's really, really valuable because even my own understanding of the music and the autonomic nervous system and the inner dance is changing so fast. People who kind of live around Maya, they kind of know this because what's being talked about the next month and the next energy school, it, it's not the same. It, it picks up feedbacks really, really fast. And upon the observation of a specific thing, it's already changing. So even I'm having a hard time keeping up with my own mind, which can only say that the transformations happening in the human brain is so accelerated at the moment, not just exposing itself to these altered state 
spiritual modalities where inner dance belongs to, but because of its exposure to things like Facebook, Netflix, um, YouTube, and so on and so forth, COVID-19, um, we're kind of behind on the awareness of something that we're kind of advanced in terms of the experience, like in a certain way. Um, in the Zoom call that happened half a day ago, I spoke about this uh, relationship I have with Dr. Peter Riksha, who's been conducting some documentation and research work coming from his background in linguistics and altered states and whole systems theory. And um, I spoke about how when he first met Inner Dance, he was expecting something very similar to like five rhythms and ecstatic dance for which he has very deep interest in, but because he's also spent a lot of time with whole systems theorists like um, uh, De Bono or Tony Buzan or uh, you know the cybernetics people. Uh, he was quite surprised at the patternings inner dance had access to that was marrying Eastern and Western perspectives that for him seemed to um, heal a lot of the discrepancies that are separating Eastern and Western modalities that he felt were very, was very much needed. So it was quite funny that he was in tears. He was weeping in front of me, not just because of the heart processes that is very available in the inner dance, but he saw that um, he could go back to his mind without losing access to his body and his heart that he was feeling was needed. He, he, was, he was sensing a huge lack in the spiritual awakening communities in the world that were somehow waiting for a referential relationality that could, um, that could help uh, allow each side to help each other. Um, so it, it, inner dance is kind of interesting in that way. Um, so his first question to me is like, I, I need to understand Pai how I might listen to you because it's not easy to listen to you speak. And it kind of healed me to see where he was coming from with this because it was a very curious and conscious invitation to understand not just inner dance, but where I was coming from, a man who had come from inner dance and was learning to come back into language. For me, what that signified was he understood that my mind was coming from a level of abstraction where when we start to understand the mind, we're drawing out ideas and we're drawing out concepts through thinking and conversation. So when we're talking to people, we're kind of channeling where everyone is at. And it's usually coming from a conventional common or shared space of understanding. But um, Peter was recognizing that it was coming from somewhere unconventional. And, and I want to kind of speak to that a little bit based on some of the things that are in the yellow section of the website. Um, it's about dimensionality. So um, to understand inner dance of science, there's something about mediums and channels where 
inner dance is a kind of communication. It, it's, a, it's a kind of conversation where you can say, okay, the energy is having a conversation with itself inside my body. Or like, um, I'm having a conversation with myself if I wasn't just the simple um, story or ego that I normally identify with. What if I was so much bigger? How can I speak to myself if I could slow down time and space in a certain way? Um, that could be very complex depending on how you look at it, but that could be extremely simple if there was an awareness of what does dimensionality mean when we look at something like inner dance. Now, um, one thing Peter was describing inner dance as is that it holds a possible TOE, which is a theory of everything that some people would have proposed um, over the evolution of whole systems theory, like in a way that for me is a huge provocation that, okay, inner dance could bring to bear an understanding of the many aspects of the world through a centralizing or unitive framework. Um, and I would agree with him somehow, if I could get away from my own dramas and my own ego, I would understand that there is something in inner dance that provides a DOE. And, and for me, that would mean going outside of inner dance itself, that there's something in consciousness that is becoming available to us that allows us to understand um, like, an, like an infinity through a simple unitive lens, you know, like an eye in the middle of the storm that allows us to, 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 to look at almost anything that takes place around us. And, and we can interpret it as this is a one thing, you know, like a, a set of dualities that's coming into a third space. Um, the, the, the one person I would like to bring up who's a theorist who was close from my understanding, he was maybe the closest that brings about a possible TOE I've mentioned it a couple of times, his name is Marshall McLuhan. And for me, Marshall McLuhan is a little bit like Pi, where when he first came into the world, people had a hard time understanding what he was saying. But there were many academics and there were many deep thinkers at that time who understood that the, the, the radical exposure people had to certain types of media that were new at that time. And right, uh, right then and there, they were talking about radio and television uh, at the point when a lot of this was becoming pervasive, ubiquitous, it, it was becoming um, common. Um, pretty much everyone was interested in what was changing in the mind at that time when, uh, wait, let me switch mediums <laughs> from laptop to phone. Uh, mute, unmute, sorry. You walk around a little bit. Hey guys. That's yeah, good. Uh, yeah, me, 
Marcy McLuhan was someone who could have held a DOE because of his theory or his understanding of how media itself has a history, how there's a history of forms. When I talk about forms and mediums, let me look at the differences between uh, the mediums of a caveman in terms of communication, like how were they accessing um, the sound, <laughs> the sound and the image? How did they use cave paintings and how they, were they using utterances and gestures? Uh, in evolution, uh, how did that, that move into the early civilizations that were beginning to access documentation? Um, history basically began to writing in a way that we didn't have a formal history prior to our ability to document memory. And so that there was something shifting in the mind the more we were able to extend our soul, our sound into mostly the image. There's something about our extending the temporal aspect of spirit that lives in sound, the more we're able to inscribe it into stone, into sand, into clay pottery, into the papyrus, into the, the like paper. And then we, we came into printing so that there was such a radical shift when we discovered electricity, the nature of electricity about 300, 400, 300 years ago. And then when we learned to harness it in the digital age to such a degree when electronics was being created, Marshall McLuhan's theory is that the, the, the nature of content changes depending on the nature of the, the medium itself. To, to make that clear, it doesn't actually matter what is being said. According to him, what matters is what is the dimensionality upon which a certain, what, what's the dimensionality and, and how is it that when we shift from one dimensionality to the other, that into itself is content, that there is no distinction between form and content, that there's no distinction between the, the cup or the vessel, which is the medium and the substance or the liquid that contains that vessel. Now, it doesn't matter if you look at the body, the physical body or the mind, they, they seem to be changing together in a way that everything is a medium. Like, like the body is a kind of medium, it's a container and the body is changing. But so is the brain and so is the mind in a way that we're coming into awareness of time and space that's a different dimension that we weren't really exposed to. It's not three-dimensional thinking. It's not three-dimensional time perception. And we are not familiar with the new rules and the new realities that hold the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension where you can see ahead, you can see behind, you can see all around you beyond just your subjective and personal point of view. You know, like we have these descriptions of I'm becoming the earth I'm becoming the other, I'm becoming my mother, I'm becoming my, my, my kids, and I don't know the separations. I'm not bound. I don't have boundaries. 
like anymore. And so it's really important to start understanding inner dance as a point or an entity that belongs to a sequence of many things that came before it. It, it almost makes you understand the energy as something technological. It's like spiritual technology. It's, it's another form of writing, another form of speaking, another form of documenting or extending spirit so that consciousness is able to project itself so that it could store parts of itself in complexity that wasn't as available before. And, and we needed to take our time to keep building layers and layers so that the next layer would become available. Um, that is why inner dance becomes a possible just way of seeing the world rather than just a spiritual modality to, to understand it as a communication or as a perception. When you look at the patterns of dimensionalities according to, to a historicity of consciousness itself, that time perception has an evolutionary historicity that, that we didn't understand time a thousand years ago or, or 10,000 years ago, the way we understand it now, that we're able to go into abstract realities that weren't as available um, because it needed a structuralism that would be slow. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't need to go too much into this because it's, it, it's like a rabbit hole. <laughs> there, there could be moments we could talk about this. What might be important right now is to um, merely extract or isolate what is it in inner dance that allows us to understand the inner dance of consciousness itself. This would be your framework. This would be the heart of your work. So that when you enter a room, however random and creative you configure your, uh, your techniques, your skills, your, your art, uh, it actually frees you up like in a way to understand what is constant, what is it that doesn't change in the inner dance so that no matter where I go, it's always the same workshop. It, it's, it's actually just the dimensionality. It's always the same dimensionality. And uh, for those who, have ex who are exposed to this thing, it's, it's almost like in the beginning, it's intense. Like the only way you can get there is through an intensity. So, so that maybe the people who are beginning to experiment with psychedelic drugs and shamanic breath work and and all these other possible modalities that would bring about right-brained awareness, divine feminine uh, be, be, being states that weren't as available in very autocratic, technocratic, 1940s, 1950s, conservative, analytical, school-based, masculine systems. Um, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's very healing to 
start to look at this from a big picture perspective because then your understanding of inner dance, sorry about this sound, the, your understanding of the inner dance doesn't necessarily have to be bound by the workshop that you do. Like uh, that it's always at work right now, everywhere you look, this thing is alive through technological advancement, through political upheaval, through pandemics. Um, th these up and down patterns are, are, are pretty much there. So over the last week, what I've been doing is um, to contribute some of the initial stories that allowed us to perceive these patterns. Um, the playlist is a really huge part in a way that we were free to utilize any possible sound that is made accessible only now. Can, can you think about that? Like uh, before the iPod that Apple launched maybe two decades ago, before that, what you had was the Sony Walkman and those uh, mini disc players, whereby you were lucky at 12 songs in your pocket. Now, understanding that music is historical in a way that the music in India, the music in China, the music in Nepal, in Europe is a product of a slow, slow story process. It's like a slow documentation into uh, uh, rhythm, harmony, and melody to arrive at the dimensionality of the music brings. There was an explosion in the brain when it suddenly was able to create this thing called a playlist, okay? Like that it was only recently where we could combine a lot of the spiritual spontaneous histories that isn't in the books, but is located in the, the song traditions of the world. It was our ability to mix it up, to create simultaneities and layerings that weren't possible before. There's something about the inner dance then that uh, was able to marry proprioception and kinesthesia, understanding that there are actually certain ways of uh, relaxing the body, coming into deep breathing. So when the sound comes alive, it starts to trigger these possible states of consciousness that uh, have already been there through brain-body chemistries that people are accessing through spiritual work and psychedelic, psychotropic, psychoactive drugs. But because those drugs are merely um, triggering certain chemical patterns that are already inside, you know, the neurotransmitters, the hormones, the androgens, inside our bodies that have really, really old patterns. Um, the implications are really huge. For one, we live in a world where the source of energy and happiness and healing is always coming from outside, whether it be in medicine, food, 
uh, dependence on other people, already it's quite a huge insight that if people discover that they are the source of their own joy, the, the, so, the, the solution to their own big, big problems, that already should change quite a bit. They may not logically place that right away, but that already heals addiction at the root, that, that I take responsibility like in a certain way. But these are possible though because of the shifting of the patterns that have been holding dimensionalities that have emerged over millions of years or tens of thousands of years, depending on how you define the human from our ancestors. Um, and it's amazing to understand that it is only in our generation where a feedback mechanism actually comes alive on who we are as electricity. Because even if you think about an iPhone or an Android device that's holding songs, um, Steve Jobs called it a thousand songs in your pocket. So can you imagine the jump, the playlist of the cassette tape being maybe the number 12, suddenly you had like a thousand and because of technological development, the ability to store more possibilities in your pocket. Now it's 20,000, 30,000, depending on the size of your gadget. My, my iPhone has 264 gigabyte capacities. So it's probably a lot more than that, depending on how I, uh, you know, look, look at this. Um, it wasn't so easy before. Like um, the old technologies would store like uh, megabytes of data inside structures as big as a building in order to uh, transmit and, and store that amount of electricity. There's something about the dream within the dream or the, the basis of inception, the understanding of time or in the black hole, the black hole where time is infinite, where we're able to condense and pack in so much information that, that is super new. Why would we take that for granted? You know, so th these are like the tools of the, the modern shaman. The, the ability to, to bring India, the, to bring um, histories of America, histories of, of Finland, histories of the Philippines, in a way that combines our, our ancestries. Now that we, we're understanding how, how can people listen to the body somehow? No, I'm sorry, how can the body listen to the music finally in a way that it hasn't really heard it as a vibration? Um, then we need to accept that God lives inside uh, technology as well. And what would happen in our observation of it when we don't, depend on these technologies as much as we would find out the actual application or the actual gadget is the body itself. The, the, the body is intelligent. It's like the supercomputer and um, it, it's really within electricity unto itself. Um, so this is very timely because over the last year or so, there was a radical shift in the inner dance playlist. And then in the last months during COVID, 
it, it's been going into certain dimensionalities within the dimensionality that I myself am not able to name it. And I need to work with you. We need to work together to understand some of the things that I won't notice because I'm not doing as many sessions and workshops as some people are in the world. You, you will be able to contribute. So I can only give what I have so far, which took me about 11 or 12 years to, to come into. And then I might need to just stay in my own research programs as other people might look at some of these sciences and insights and, and take it much, much farther somehow. I'm, I'm really quite interested in a lot of these, but I'm really limited because my mind can only do so much, but I can at least share with you a lot of the patterns that have arisen over those periods of time where I was just doing so much of this. I mean, for you to understand what it was like to be doing three workshops a day, five workshops a day, my mind was just intense. It, it wouldn't have been easy to, to talk to me because I was having to go into this um, fourth dimension or fifth dimension where everything was outside of time. It's like time didn't exist. It was like a place where no time existed. Um, and and to, to inch my way back into the, the, the world as we call it, 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 it was incredibly hard to go back into language and to go back into humanity whilst not losing the, the thing that we had gained outside of our range of experience. Um, th this is quite a gift to help you understand that when you pick up uh, a, a tablet or a phone and now you have uploaded certain applications and then we start talking about certain effects, certain uh, apps that you can intermix you're going to be touching people's brains from inside using sound. You don't need to have a scalpel and open someone's body. You literally will touch their heart. You literally can touch their lungs. Brain, breath, and blood can be altered, bringing people into dimensionalities that they didn't know about yet, of course, it is a part of them, the parts that's accessible through dream states and accessible through the life between lives, the near death, the birth vision states, the, the life inside the womb. Um, how interested would we be in holding these frequencies? It's such a huge responsibility. It's such a huge gift at the same time to, to do that. And for me to admit to you that my actual understanding of this is actually quite new, that however way I've shared inner dance consistently uh, for quite some space and time now, my own understanding of this is really quite recent, uh, that, that there's inside the music the 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 in the rhythm in the the 
the the the harmony of it there, there's like rate and breath rate and depth there's like cardiac volumes and there's like a stroke volumes there's like the the beats per minute it, it's as if our understanding of technology is equal to our understanding of the human spirit um, they're piggybacking off of each other so as we experience our divinity we're realizing that everything on earth is in fact like a mirror of that divinity and so who doesn't dream right now of becoming like a cosmic dj that allows all the possible combinatory uh infinite oceanic pool of human data throughout all of history who wouldn't want uh like you know a, a way to break things apart and then to rebuild them up once again so, so i have a lot of gratitude for you for staying with the colors the last weeks it comes into this now where we are uh to start with a philosophy and then come into possible sets of theories theories that mediate everything we know towards the yellow which is everything that we do what is what what is that which mediates being and knowing and doing um it, it's this it, it's what i'm speaking of right now which is a theory of everything a basic understanding of a middle place where we're actually all just one being now the central science that is still quite a mystery uh which in the inner dance holds an answer as to why does it even happen like it's just a bunch of sounds why do people go that deep i've spoken it again and again it's called the circadian rhythms and uh for me it's my biggest offering to the world that uh the efficacy or the power of the playlist uh is held in the pattern of what we call the earth uh some of the theory is still quite tendentious but i'm quite confident that a lot of what i've looked at is substantiated and held enough so when i say tendentious and vulnerable it means that there is very little science that would back what i'm saying and it will take me still a tremendous amount of effort to articulate this for people who might be open and ready and interested and in fact these online journeys that we're creating helps me to get it there because it's hard, quite hard to write about these to to do the research programs and do the, the documentation alone because it's so non-linear that it takes a kind of dimensional conversation that is appropriate to what all of these are trying to say so namely i'm saying i can't write this alone and i need to write this together with people who are conducting this work as well to look at your own feedbacks what are you finding out now the circadian rhythms is a huge topic it's about the day and night patterns inside the human brain human heart human lungs that is also synonymous with all of these organs that are inside the dogs the cats the birds the the lion the the lizard um it's a story of the earth like how did we build a relationship between 
two top things would be like light and day and then hot and cold. That's why the word psychotropic is interesting because uh, when you look at this thing called the dream state or the REM state, the interdimensionality that you go to every night that allows you to explore what's beyond your lin the linearity in your story. Uh, the circadian rhythms is a certain wave. It's an actual playlist that takes place inside you as soon as you wake up, as soon as you go to sleep, you're mediated by this. And what is interesting is it's actually the same wave pattern when you're awake and when you're asleep, which is to say something goes up and something goes down. Now to simplify it, it's dualistic in nature where it, it's really just uh, magnetism and light, light and dark, sorry, magnetism and electricity, light and dark, hot and cold. But because of energy conservation, we landed on a specific pattern. We, we, we landed on a specific pattern. Here's the biggest irony of all. Um, the reason why we go to sleep is to awaken something inside of us. That is what REM state or the dream state is. It's called paradoxical sleep. It's almost like the body needs to go into a flat line, a corpse position where we're not holding any of our fear patterns, our our attentions so that something could rise up that's beyond fear. Now, look at my story, how it was that when I was alone and I wasn't with people and I wasn't really stressed out, I wasn't eating, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't stressed out. The first thing that went away was my sleep. I was literally sleeping sometimes 10 hours a week, it went down to about five hours a week, sometimes 20 hours a week, I realized that we're, we're wasting so much time sleeping. When in fact, when you reach a REM state awake, we, we, we don't need to escape into uh, that dark unknown place. It's like, we're learning how to dream awake. Okay. Can't be more simple, you know? Can't be more simple. Um, so what would be the technology? Like that, that's what's upon us. Th this is what we need to share as a body of knowledge that when brain entrainment of the type inner dance brings about, which is like the, the, the technology of exposing people to the circadian rhythms while they're in a space of surrender, uh, it actually wakes up this psychedelic mentality that is uh, like a third brain that is not the masculine or the feminine. It's not the, the hot or the cold. It, it's, it's sympathetic and parasympathetic all at the same time. Um, for me, this is what lacks consensus. Like when I've been looking at altered state sciences, there's a very small mention of how the autonomic nervous system kind of acts in a certain way every time time perception expands and many, maybe many of the people have been to energy school we kind of take it for granted that this is normal but i just want to let you know a, a lot of the research programs that could uphold this don't actually exist so much uh, they exist in isolation 
whereby there might be insights within the, the near-death experience science or the, the REM state science, the dream science, the Kundalini awakening science, but to look at those patterns from a pervasive space, um, there, there's very little of it. So in a way, we almost accidentally chanced upon this birthright or this ancestry that used to belong to us as babies and as tribal people before uh, the systematization of our needs, motivations, and fears in certain ways. So th this is the gist. I'd like to just put it out there. My goal right now specifically would be to help you read and listen to some of the materials that I'm sharing and will be sharing later on. And then we're coming into an interesting time where, especially in the green, we're gonna be talking about the history of music itself. Like what is the slow evolution into sound that suddenly expo exploded in mediumship that was quite recent that we might come to understanding of right now that maybe wasn't so understandable before. But to do that, we need certain terminologies, shared referencing that belongs both in spiritual and scientific institutions because those are where the patterns are held. If we don't deal with the patterns, what we will be doing is going around in circles and loops to say everything is energy, everything is energy. But for those who are beginning to facilitate this uh, with finesse, with, the, um, with access to what we've found out so far that is available to our generations, um, Th th that's like the the invitation or the, the 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 way to go. So for now, maybe because it's really noisy where I'm at, uh, inviting those who have been holding music to see if they have insights or questions, but more of insights. But also, Carolina has been describing a shift in the experience of inner dance that they uh, conducted yesterday. Um, there's something in the loops, there's something in the layerings, in this weird music. They, they did this in Bahikalipay last week and Imana, who was holding, was really tripping out, but like a lot of the people freaked out. So I'm not sure if this is really going to be totally accessible. Some of you have been experiencing it. Um, the three things inside green that I would like to bring up as main principles would be diversity in music, which I talked about in terms of a thousand or 20,000 songs in your pocket, which wasn't as available before. The other one would be synthesis. So when you talk about the synthesizer, there's something about digital music that allowed us to simultaneously combine certain things that weren't as possible in the analog. The third would be distortion that as we learn to refine the way music could be transmitted, uh, there, there's a deconstruction, there's a way to distort the pleasing aspects of music that are 
triggering the rewards pathways or the pleasure seeking parts of the brain so that there's a kind of death uh, available to those who start to look at the things that aren't uh, familiar, that belong to the dimensionality that we exist in. Um, and, and then I think we can really get into it. So I want to stop talking now because it's loud at this time of the day. We're kind of learning how to navigate our spaces. So this is good feedback for us. Uh, do you guys have any questions, sharings? Um, Carolina might be a good place to start. In fact, she's got some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, many things kind of coming together with uh, everything that image that I shared that had, has those, had those different waves. Oh, uh, yes, my son is here this morning. It's still a bit difficult. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, sorry. Just a second. That's the rule. Yeah, so uh, this playlist we used that uh, there in our session, um, and somehow I've realized like uh, the picture with the waves that um, uh, the inner dance process and my process has somehow like it's uh, more able to take in a lot of information through music, so that the rhythm within the body still kind of like follows like some wave even though the music would change then still kind of mm, the how the body moves or something it doesn't change and then somehow uh everything oh this is so difficult everything goes um in, uh, into one so that it's everything kind of happening inside and that space is allowing more and yeah i don't know if you guys had time to read my text message i sent via whatsapp but um i kind of like knew that uh, this session was somehow like important to me already in the summer because i recognized uh, something in the inner dance space in the festival and it started to come uh, through me or uh, my body started to receive this kind of like new information from the space that I didn't kind of like it was like not familiar to me yet and I kind of like saw from that place from the summer that it's gonna come through in this particular session and uh, I was uh, we organized it together with Johanna but what happened that I went like totally into process um, by myself with, with another person and it was really really strong and somehow like yeah it's still kind of going on the process so it's really <laughs> a little it's a little difficult to put in words still but I saw this like human DNA like structure and it's the music started to open it through my body somehow and it was really like strong but then 
later, like after the session, people like there was one person who said something that the music was really shit, and another person said that some songs started to like you know took him to some place where he used to go to buy some hot dogs or something after or with his friends or something. I don't know, but uh, for me, I think that my nervous system is somehow able to take in all that without the story somehow that the music is just this kind of like vibration that um it's not the song anymore somehow even though there would be a song with lyrics and everything but it's just like vibration that brings visible something uh, the connection to earth and universe so that everything becomes the one yeah i don't know if this makes any sense <laughs> I feel like I should stop talking now. It, no, it's it super does. Uh, let me help. Uh, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, you're helping me, and now it's quieter here. So, um, what happened with this song is something I've been coming into lately. It's the obvious and overt juxtaposition between delta and gamma states. So, for those who are unfamiliar with brain waves, delta would be the slowest possible waves, and gamma would be the, the fastest brain waves that you can muster when you uh, are exercising. If you jump off an airplane, you'd experience gamma. If you drink three cups of coffee, you might get to gamma. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird notion to get exposed super, super slow and super fast. And the more intensive inner dances that are coming about now are experimenting with that. So. Um, how that's available in an iPad uh, with a DJ app is that uh, th there's like a loop that you have accessible and I'd, I'd love to show it to you guys next week. Um, so let's say a, a beat would be boom, 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 boom. Now there's possibilities of looping that so it would go into one half of the, that uh, uh, measurement of whatever BPM that is. So it would be boom, 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 boom. And then um, you can just keep looping that uh, exponentially speaking so that you could keep doubling that rate. So it did boom, 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 boom. Until I, I can't really articulate like what it would be to keep exponentially dividing that into half by six or seven degree fold Normally, I would hide that um, loopiness uh, because it's a little bit too much for those who are not really ready for it. And you need to be really relaxed in order to be able to get into it. So people have undergone many deep experiences. It's already a default mechanism that your body would recognize it from a brainwave and neurological perspective. So when you use normal songs, it would never do that. It would be very refined where it would be radio friendly. It would be three minutes long, it'd be four minutes long. If it's longer, it would still have the traditional, um, the traditional uh, coming into the introduction, into the verse, the, the chorus, the refrain. It would have a story in it. And, and when we look at the non-story elements in this new inner dance, which is really experimental and probably wouldn't make sense to a lot of people. Um, there's a greater juxtaposition that's bringing about the dimensionality 
that really doesn't exist in normal music because mm-hmm. why would you do that? It, it would make you lose it if you were driving a car or you were, you, you have to be almost within a spiritual setting yeah. in order to go into an exploration and a journey process where um, your body could be spoken to in that way. Um, so I'm hoping maybe this gives a little bit of a backdrop for you to understand that the more you bring about gamma states within like super fast gamma states in very flat, super slow delta states, um, it will stretch the mind. It will um, create a yoga or a spectrum. It would stretch out the extremes that the mind is used to. And then you would travel into that range um, that, that, that you know, the, the mind normally merely experiences in these expanded states of time perception. Um, and, and not only is there an interest there, but a lot of people are already describing it in certain ways. Um, that, does that help a little bit in terms of explaining what's happening in this that you're now giving feedback to Carolina in a way? Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then because mm, um, this same kind of thing happened to me because uh, I used to go a lot of uh, to nightclubs to dance, being sober mm. when I was younger, and mm. then DJs would have those like two to three turn tables that they could like play songs simultaneously yeah. and slow them down and like then super fast or then scratch or whatever and then I remember already there like finding the slow motion in the super fast kind of like falling into this stressed stretched space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then mm, yeah exactly somehow, somehow it, I, I, but, but yeah now when I was able to experience it uh, like lying down mm-hmm. being in the process mm-hmm. I really like uh, mm-hmm. I really could feel feel the whole nervous system expanding somehow, and yes, and so that the super fast, like this, that it was somehow like um, also yeah. like mm. not stretching it, but also making it wider. Mm. Mm. Um, one valuable thing to bring up because I didn't um, develop a module for yellow that's really quite important is. When you look at the circadian rhythms, which is your body's coping mechanism to dark and light so that you can conserve energy, which is to say when you're supposed to be awake, then the neurotransmitters that would provide you focus and energy would um, happen as opposed to when you're supposed to sleep and rest that would slow you down. Um, What is that really? Like in a way that we could understand it. So when you look at the REM state, in juxtaposition with the inner dance, something facilitators are able to notice very early on is it has something to do with temperature. Like um, when people go into states of healing, the body gets hot. And some of you are probably going to uh, resonate with that. Like as a facilitator or as an experiencer, the body gets really, really hot sometimes in an impossible accelerated rate where 
it shouldn't get that hot really, really fast. Um, now, when you look at the REM state, one of the reasons we actually dream isn't just to journey and travel into spaces around the world. It's historical as well. It has something to do with temperature. We are regulating hot and cold. And one of the things that I shared in the website is from Carol, Ka Carolyn from Bali, who after going through deep inner dance states, she didn't understand the difference between hot and cold. And it almost freaked her out. So, so one of the things that we're in fact negotiating is the winters and the summers in your body are asking to be stretched in a way that it doesn't decide that one thing is good or bad. But hot and cold are in fact two sides of the same coin. Uh, this is where you can understand your own spiritual culture, like your genealogy, your phylogeny is coming from memories in your DNA of having walked the earth either in the desert, you know, like in the high mountains. Um, one of the names of the Kundalini in Indian tradition is liquid fire. And uh, depending on your experience, when you lay down and you start to get exposed to the energy, there's something very cold uh, in the process. And that coldness isn't cold per se, but it's actually the release of heat. Now, heat is information. Heat is memory. And when you live in Canada, when you live in Poland, when you live in, live in Greenland and Iceland, um, your body needs a relationship with temperature in a way that's storage-based. You know, it depends on the food that you eat, the kind of beverages that you, you take in in order for you to maintain your 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 comfort your your stability in, in a very physical way uh, now i kind of shared some aspects of the book of daniel Schmael to help us to understand that a lot of the psychotropic substances that the west was exposed to are really quite new so whether you're talking about coffee when you're talking about al alcohol has been there but one of the things Shmael points out is that people didn't really drink strong alcohol until maybe a hundred years ago. A lot of it was watered down and people weren't drinking recreationally. A lot of it had to do with temperature control. Um, so that we kept increasing dimensionality and the usage of drugs because of the homeostasis levels in the body where we could take in more and more because of tolerance. It's like we knew there's something about the information that needs to be broken up somehow. So there's a new psychotropism in the way people have been using LSD, ecstasy, that's rewiring a lot of these neurotransmitters and especially the ayahuasca experiences that are um, bringing about very extreme states of liquid fire inside people that's not available in, in many other things. But curiously, when people say there's a lot more that some people are experiencing in the inner dance, which isn't dependent on the stimulants and the presence that are available in a lot of these hallucinogenic um, substances, I, I want to point out that you're actually managing your climate, that there's all this talk about global warming, climate change, and so on and so forth. 
but the real climate change is in fact happening within consciousness itself. It's like we're empathizing with the shifts in climate um, on the earth within us, because as the earth is changing, so is the human body changing. So you need to now build certain cross connections between topics that don't seem connected. So for example, the, the food and the, uh, liquids that we drink, how is that related to temperature? How is that related to the autonomic nervous system? But suddenly this huge central topic comes up. The theory of everything is about time, that uh, what you ingest manages your time. And in the science of the circadian rhythms, that's a German term that's used called the Zeitgeber. It, it's called the time giver. That, um, in order for you to um, involve yourself with a particular dimensionality, we have conditioned ourselves to uh, awaken and to relax um, through caffeine, through nicotine, through alcohol, through barbiturates, through sleeping pills and so on and so forth. Uh, that is really rather quite new. So, so when you start to develop a historicity of an understanding of the world that came into colonization that then gave them access to certain things that were coming from India, that were coming from the Southeast, from South Asia. Uh, they began to experiment with different altered states. They, they weren't just experimenting with spices. They, they weren't just experimenting with, you know, they were, they were altering the, the climates inside them. And then as they began to travel to different parts of the world, um, the, 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 there's like a global brain, like a planet awareness that becomes possible through people. So in inner dance, the, the Zeitgeber is music. We're realizing that through um, post-postmodern understandings of brain entrainment, there, there's a way in accessing these extended states that weren't as possible before. When I bring up brain entrainment, a, a lot of the current, Techniques in it is really quite basic. Um, people have been opened up by holotropic breathwork and other advances in neurology that started to understand that when you expose yourself through isolated frequencies, usually around theta and alpha, it bring about the parasympathetic nervous system states of relaxation and um, uh, you know slowing things down. But what is lacking in science is the entrainment within a wave itself, that there's like a meta story and sound that kind of goes up and down in a very, very particular way in the sleep stages that brings about REM state, a time perception that is expanded, that we're normalizing in wake consciousness. We have to admit that so much of our society's functions is actually to kill the very thing that you are beginning to awaken because it didn't belong to the range that we knew over the millennia that had stabilized and negotiated our pleasure-seeking pain-avoidant lifestyles that you're kind of breaking apart. Um, so so you, you almost need certain folders in your mind to develop a curiosity that helps you to understand the synesthesia of your internal climate, your perception of time, you know, that then everything would become a zeitgeber, like the, 
the, when you walk into a restaurant, when you walk into a shopping mall, a library, um, everything is a zeitgeber. Everything manages time. It could either expand or contract time in certain ways. And as you experience it, there, there, there's like a, an energetic literacy, a spiritual epistemology that, so that even if you can't put it into words, your body kind of knows what it's doing through an opening or turning on function or shutting down function. Now, the more people get exposed to these different extremes, there's an equanimous or um, state of equal or equilibrium that happens where um, you don't know the difference anymore between the East and the West inside your body. Um, it goes beyond human psychology in many ways. It gives you a base level of energetic understanding of Earth's history that is so old. It existed prior to the bilobe brain, prior to the left and right brain hemispheres that had learned to efficiently organize an Earth because it was a dangerous planet and um, you could be eaten alive if you did, or, or you could die of hunger if you didn't know how to negotiate winters and so on. But now that we've reached an equilibrium or now that we've caught up with enough space that gives us the psychic energy to understand what we are, it feels almost like we're ready to go into new patternings that we weren't going to go to in, in the past. We wanted to stabilize first so that we could expand the range which to some people looks like instability, but it's actually like a wider stability that is more familiar to the animals, plants, and, and babies, and people who spend a lot of time in nature and so on and so forth. Um, so um, I, I'm not pushing that people go wild into the playlists uh, inorganically. I'm, I'm almost just sharing these to allow us to have a conversation about um, these new avenues um, so that we could be guided somehow to, to, to be granted the vocabulary that uh, almost needs to be made visible first. And then our interest would um, help us to uh, like, like choose upon ourselves. You know, I'm, I'm not, here to provide scientific rules and, and laws. I'm, I'm just as open to the possibilities and I can only share what I myself have discovered over the last decade, which might be interesting to you. Um, so, so yeah, I think with these, we're ready to maybe go into the green for those who are really keen on uh, what it's like to touch people's brains, hearts, and lungs, brain, breath, and blood. Um, I'd like to invite people who have been holding the playlists in the last years. Um, I haven't looked at the list of participants who are here now, but um, where are you with these, do you think? Like, um, and and how much are you responsible, but how much is the actual level of catharsis or degrees of time perception that are happening in the room? How much are you in fact being DJed 
in a way that you're also stretching out the range of sounds that are available, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hi. 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 Yeah, I thought, that you, I thought that you would come in now. <laughs> Go. Hi. Nice to see all of you and connect with all of you. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an amazing year. Um, and the playlist for me has changed so much um, since, since actually I started to facilitate online, but then also something else um, happened as well. So before I was um, definitely like my layering of music was definitely less um, in the past. Um, and then when, when lockdown happened and I started to go online, um, I had this idea or this feeling that I needed to create themes um, for my playlists. And that seemed to shift something for me. Um, it, it, this like new level of creativity started to come in to the music and um, like this incredible, it's almost like my intuition started to become a lot more heightened. So what would happen is that I started in, um, so I use the DJ uh, um, Pro app, but actually what I've been doing and what I tend to do um, is that I actually tend to pre-mix my playlists um, and the reason that I do that is because I'm quite, I, I'm quite strong in the energy uh, work or the energy healing part of it. And I find that when I DJ live, I find that I struggle to, to do both at the same time. But what I've discovered is that when I pre-mix, it's almost like I'm already connecting with the energy that's going to be there. Um, and, I, and I intuitively like we'll start to bring in sounds and I started to layer sounds together. But then as I was making it, I would have like strong intuition or these, you know, like for example, like I remember the one day I was preparing a playlist and I just got this message that I needed to add a sound of a roller coaster or I need to add a sound of a hawk or I need to add a sound of a lion roaring. And I have no idea why, and I don't know where I'm going to place it, but when I'm creating it, I know exactly where the lion must come in. And it's like, or the lion roar must come in. And it was like, what was amazing to me is that I, I would create these soundscapes. And then when I was facilitating, um, the class with this already pre-made creation, I couldn't believe what I created. Like it happened almost every single time. I was like, how did I create that? Um, and it felt like, it felt like even I started to have like more intense experiences. Um, let's call it like out of body or like ayahuasca type experiences. And the, the feedback that I got um, the level of people going much more into deep healing and deep trance states um, escalated tremendously since I started to, to do this. Um, so I've been finding that for, that for me, at least personally, I've 
I've been finding that having a theme has been really useful for me. It gives me some type of context. So for example, like I did a theme on like letting, like, um, like, like, like around the ego, like breaking the ego. And then I would, and then that would, you know, I, I like, 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 you know, like, like, like I'd get these feelings or these, um, uh, either an artist would come to me like, oh, I need to add this artist into this playlist. Um, so it felt like the creation of the playlist, um, since I've been doing that, um, took me to, took me and took the experience to a whole new level. Um, and those playlists I've only really done online, but then what I've also done, like I did that the other day is that I would, I actually, I did a, a one-on-one um, -on -one session with someone where I did like a very simple playlist where I just dragged, you know, one song kind of after the other, but then I would mix in some of the, the more complex playlists that I created this last year into that um and there was this yeah i, I, I you know I, I i remember this this one experience that i had where um it was to do with fire i created this playlist on the fire element and i remember feeling or experiencing as i was facilitating it um on zoom that i was being taken into a like an ayahuasca um like like basically like an ego death it felt like an ego death um and the feedback that i got was you know there was one or two people in the space that reported to me that they they really felt that they um, had a very similar experience um and sometimes i would layer four or five songs on top of each other um and i definitely resonate with what you were talking about earlier when you spoke about the the gamma and the better. I think that the music that I've been creating so far, I wouldn't say there is so much distortion, um, but some, yes, like there is definitely aspects of, of distortion. Um, and I am still experimenting with that. Um, but for me, it's definitely around like a higher intelligence and a higher intuition that's been coming through me um that feels like alchemy it feels like it's it's showing me exactly what sound needs to vibrate and layer with another sound and there's something that is working through me that's sort of just allowing me to know exactly when to end and start and layer and you know where there needs to be an echo or a so it's been very, very creative and it's, um, I, you know, sometimes I don't really understand that, but I can see that I can sense that it is, you know, that it is uh, working. Um, yeah, I think that's all that I can share right now. Um, Hi, I'm wondering if I can... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Please. 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 Hang on. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi. Um, 
yeah, this is really cool. I have experienced that as well. Um, it's almost like um, we're allowed to play with time. Um, here I'm just um, talking about when we create the playlists in advance. Uh, it's almost like we can put ourselves in the space before it happens. So we're kind of like jumping time, <laughs> the timeline, which is really, really cool considering like what we talk about with time and everything. Um, so I've, I have definitely mostly in the last few years been using Spotify and doing like the question like that morning or something it just comes through and we'll say wow the music right uh rebecca you're choppy a little bit see if maybe there's adjustments that could happen Hi, I'm back again. Sorry. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I found that that worked really well. And I've kind of um, gone in the opposite direction with the music, um, which, yeah, I'll, I'll just share about it. Because um, I feel like the music is something that, um moves through in the same way that any other vibration uh can also do um and it's funny that you talk about in the car because when like before I ever before I came across inner dance I would um like I, I talk about this person quite a bit with Pi, but a friend of mine passed away and he would speak with me through songs. So songs would come in and they would be, um, it's pretty cool. And I'll be driving a lot. So <laughs> um, it's nice to hear that. But what, what I've experienced through my journey, because I ended up holding space for about six months or so last year, um just yeah thinking about something else right now but um okay um six months last year in uh the city in melbourne in um for government um employees and it had to be like very uh so that i guess the intention around it was that the intentionality was that it would be contained to the point that people could um, cope with it in that setting and so the music almost disappeared ah thank you uh, and I just used I would use like hour-long um, say like I don't know oh, actually I just used the Spotify meditation playlist like the most general thing you can ever find uh, and so I used, I worked with my voice to bring people into um, the same 
uh, resonances. And sorry, one second. Um, then I um, held space at a yoga studio and I did a, um, well, I called it a chakra series and I just called it meditation. And I did the same thing. I would just put on, um, I found this like med chakra meditation um, playlist or something on Spotify and it was each colour. And um, it was very, very just, it was almost like the music was just like a kind of a lubrication for everything else to come in. And um, I would I would work with my voice. My voice would hold the space um, for about 45 minutes to an hour. And in the city and with the government employees, it was for two hours and people would just come and go as they pleased. And um, then now with this online interactions that are happening, I feel like there's the same the same things are going on, the same kinds of things are going on without any music at all. So we're not really using music here. We're just speaking, um, which doesn't mean that there's not music there because <laughs> there's so much rhythm in the voice. Uh, but it's just interesting to, I think it's very freeing. I think what people do with, music is amazing and the creative process is is like stunning and I love Lee what you've shared and um I would really love to explore that more but I also think it's very freeing to know that everything works and uh we can experiment through the whole spectrum of sound and even no sound um and I think Pai you sent one working with nature I've done a bit of that as well just in Thailand um, with the crickets uh, and but then it's also always fun to um, bring in songs that are meaningful for um, the maybe sometimes the group of people that you're working with or a particular um, theme that might be coming in through the session um and when I held um like I guess the teacher training or energy school here in Melbourne I played sound I played music for the entire four days so I would play playlists for our sessions but I would um play the meditation playlist or whatever just like some easy meditation music for when we were speaking as well so there was always that kind of <laughs> lubrication happening. Um, I think I think maybe even lunch times as well. Um, and that like blew the roof. <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun. And and then when I was um, helping people, I asked people to create their own playlists. I didn't give much guidance apart from what I kind of wrote out some. Um, in the in the workbook I shared and they they came up with some really great things and they shared them in the next few Friday nights because I was doing Friday night sessions people would come and they would have turns um facilitating and there was one person <laughs> uh, Daniel who 
um, did a heavy metal playlist and just like it was just the most awful thing. <laughs> I hated it. Um, but everybody in the room was like, whoa, that really spoke to me and um, they really got something out of it. So um, the irony of that, just it was just so uh, so unusual in everything that he shared there but it still was perfect and it hit all the right places, pushed all the right buttons um, for all the <laughs> right reasons, I guess. Um, yeah, so just a few random thoughts sharing there. Thanks for listening. That's really rich. Um, can I interject a little bit and then I ask people to share? There's a lot in what's speaking through these um, Wait, uh, okay, uh, Floyd, go ahead. I'll, I'll just do these in the synthesis. You, you have something to share. I, I think it's best you do it now. Go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I had one cup of coffee, so I'm, uh, <laughs> my brain is like this. I have quite a lot to share, but I pack it uh, as short as I can. Can can everyone hear me well? Because I'm at the mall and it's quite. That's okay. That's good. Can you hear me well? Um, yeah, resonating very well with um, Rebecca and Lee's uh, sharing. I was actually smiling when they were sharing about the the lions and preparing a the playlist and I was like I want some animal sound, I want some animal sound and um, because there's an intentionality there to to take people into the depths of, of Africa uh, and uh, that was actually the first time that I've uh, I've used strong animal sound anyway um, well, uh, what I'm going to share really is uh, it's been interesting to to have witnessed the playlist evolve from the time uh, uh, when we were following the and the patterns and brainwave states and stuff like that, where, which I would call now the traditional inner dance. Uh, Probably 90% of the world in the world of interdance facilitators probably still use that. Um, and this is for me to share it to the to the new new work that we find um, where we get to layer uh, many, many sounds and brainwaves brainwave. In, in just uh, one time. Uh, one, one of my recent experiences was when I was in Dubai and I brought people to the desert and I was able to, a lot of the old inner dancers that were joining me maybe four years, five years ago came 
and then there are some that are newer ones. And I've noticed, um, I had Andre with me focused, uh, uh, playing, doing the playlist or, or doing the sound. And Andre, uh, my partner, is It's more exposed in the newer uh, type of layering. The people there were the older Iranians, and they they were were in. I go in my and um, I I I noticed the attachment there uh, of people when 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 they get used to certain uh, type of ways. Of course, I I had to let that go and uh, know that um, all is okay. It also needs a, a certain experience to not be so attached with the result or what people would say uh, about their journey because otherwise if I was living four or five years ago I would say oh my god I did the playlist wrong there's a lot from my personal experience when it comes to the playlist very important that we know the basics uh, of. I really don't know what basic is anymore now because it has changed so much over the years. But what I mean by basic in in my language, I would say is that you find of the body hot and cold, and, um, and the ways of the stages of awakening, however you want to call it. But um, over the years, in my own experience, the way I've held inner dance has changed tremendously. From having a set, just just choosing the iTunes and letting it play. So I, I used to be very, very touchy before. Full-on body work with people. And having that computer just play itself is great. But then it, I came to a point where I love DJing and being able to channel through my fingers and through deep listening to become very exciting. But then I ended up using like what Rebecca was saying. I started using my voice more and more and more and more to the point that there's almost no need for me to have playlists sometimes. Um, but not everyone are or can be in that space because for those that know me, know that I use a lot of, um, when I facilitate alone, I talk also uh, almost nonstop sometimes. Uh, a lot of singing and channeling and a lot of instruments so that on its own create a lot of layers and a lot of deep listening a lot of um, deep translation of what energy of the room is uh, expressed 
through me. The playlist uh, that that goes out technically electronically through our devices could be but again it's like you guys experience like I there would be times that I've experienced inner dances of just deep silence or just rain or just uh, improvised uh, instruments and just continuous singing. And with experience, the more I have, or the, the more, um, the, the more there is a capacity to tap into the different states people are at. Um, <laughs> I would like to, I would like to jump a little bit. So, but I don't have to go outward. I want out the loop. Um, this is I was talking or someone was talking about the um, electronically sound, the, the, the noise. Yeah, yes, fine. Um, it's choppy a little bit, but it improved again. Just uh, see how it goes, yeah. Yes, fine. No, it's <laughs> choppy earlier. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see how it goes. Okay. I want to share something about the, the loop. I find it, I find it very uh, interesting. Um, I, I was having this visuals of when, when we do the looping or the repetitive uh, uh, sound, which can have a lot of other layers going on. Um, I'm not very, very technical on the DJ app, so I, I, I do this through my voice. Uh, what I feel when we, when, we, uh, when, we, when we do the looping, I feel like we, we, we kind of make the bodies of the people or the minds of the people stay in a, a, a like in a space, in a void, or a tunnel where there is no other way but to, to go for for where the tunnel will end, or a room where it's full of mirrors, it's almost like telling the, the bodies, look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it, feel it. Um, and in my experience, uh, I learned to, to, to keep that look, to keep that boy intact by carrying on and carrying on and still take people into the waves by changing the volume of the loop. Say for example, with 
with a voice or, or even uh, electronically. By, by me changing the volume, it's taking them again into another layers and other layers of, of and, and uh, a lot of layers of hot and cold and hot and cold, and a lot of layers of elements. Um, elements meaning fire, water, air. Um, I, I can speak about it, but I don't know if there's time. And um, yeah, that's that's the that's the interesting thing that I find with in looping. Um, as as I was saying. We touched the heart. Important really is the heart soul dance of the facilitator. Um, that is really felt in the room, on top, or primarily or primordially. Um, yeah. Okay, one last thing uh, about the elements since I mentioned it. Because um, in, in my, in my uh, sound practice or sound healing practice, there's a, there's a difference between doing that and taking people into a sound journey and taking people into inner dance journey, wherein we take them through through different waves and different brain waves. In a, in a sound journey, uh, I, we take them through the elements in just one wave. But I, I noticed a lot that, that all the sounds that we create are also representing the elements. Like if, if we go into very strong um, shamanic, shamanic state, it could represent the deep or uh, creates catharsis and or if we take them into air or the ether they can go into the cosmos or they can go into the bliss or they can go into the top of the mountain and yeah that's just a little bit of share about the elements and, um, and lastly when I the top layer of my playlist recently is more the the multi-dimensional languaging the light languaging the channeling the chanting uh, which probably I can discuss in some other time But since that one we uh, being connected to the light language or the soul language or the, uh, the heart language, as we would call it, I find it as the, the strongest layer on, on the voice part. 
because it goes straight into communicating to the DNA. It doesn't, it, it, it bypasses the brain, the mind automatically. Um, I think that's it for now. Um, bye. Thank you and, and everyone. Yeah, super valuable. It was a little bit choppy, but I think a lot of what you shared coming from experience is really valuable. So you did get so much from it. Um, anyone else would like to contribute? Hello. Um, hey. I, hi. I have this one interesting detail to share. Um, I can send you the uh, link, but I, I attended this uh, biohacking summit um, last weekend. And uh, there was this kind of like a thing. <laughs> I don't know how to call it, but kind of like glasses um you put put on and then then you went laying down and and there was like this ultraviolet light flashing with different kind of patterns and then the the guy who was um um presenting it was kind of uh, talking like uh like this thing helps you to go like behind the um like to find the primal language, like behind the symbols with with the with sound and and movement, and I was like, "Wow, you are talking about inner dance," <laughs> and and then then I got interested, and and he was explaining that somehow the the light or the ultraviolet light and the patterns is actually somehow creating music, like like it's the, affecting the brain the same way. So, well, that was something new. I, I didn't know that kind of light can create music somehow. I, I don't know how, how but, um, but he, he was explaining it like that. And then, then I went on trying it. And I was, of course, expecting to go into a process because how was, he was uh, explaining it. And, and immediately when... I, I laid down, like the energy started going going in my body, but it was kind of like a strange experience because I felt it was somehow exposed from the outside um, and not kind of like coming from the inside as as in in the um, inner dust inner dust process. So it actually felt like my body was almost like resisting because the light was so sharp and the patterns when they were changing so I felt my body um, somehow like um, um, uh, contracting and, and not um, it, it wasn't feeling as natural as as uh, you know it was kind of like well they, they were also describing it as it, it's kind of like when you take uh, psychedelics and uh, for some reason I have never felt any resonance or or i have never felt like taking any 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 substances from from the outside because i've always felt you know i can go 
tripping just in, in, in a natural way. So, so this the te technological thing they they had been building felt kind of kind of the same that now you're ex exposing from the outside, like forcing something that could actually be um, released naturally from from the inside out. And then I was trying to explain it to the guy, but it you know it it felt like he he didn't get what I was saying. But yeah, it was interesting. Um, just to know that this this type of technology is is coming out it it's um apparently like like a new a new thing and i can um just share the link here if you are interested uh this is really valuable input uh Mary. i want to bring back marshall McLuhan and what could be his most relevant vision where inner dance comes in so just yesterday I was talking to someone from Eastern Europe and he was asking me a question around virtual reality. Like he's creating these new programs that would benefit families and education systems where he's trying to construct inner dance into like a game process and is asking me where virtual reality comes in. Um, now in... Marshall McLuhan's work, he has this differentiation in what's called warm and cold media. So um, one example of warm media would be television, where warm would have something to do with involvement and fidelity. Um, now, when you look at television, it, it kind of involves you in a way, but it's disempowering where your thinking process, your critical thinking awareness kind of shuts down where you kind of become numb and you get fed a lot of inputs from the outside and, and you can just keep taking that into warmer and warmer mediums where you take that to the cinema and then why don't you just go into the IMAX theater why don't you just keep going into virtual reality where exactly what you're saying Murray there's something in the human mind that got overexposed to the visual field um, and, and the differentiation between sound and image is quite big uh, as languages of the universe the more left brain we became let's say the shift from oral tradition or tribal cultures which were more acoustic um, societies and coming into the book-based learning cultures the literacy cultures, the Western traditions were a lot more susceptible to the image. We, we, we seem to have an overexhaustion to the virtual world, um, what we might call um, the, the imaginary world, where the world kind of became too real in the literal and the visual sense. So there's something healing in inner dance where just asking people to close their eyes and then exposing them to sound, which is a lot more right-brained. When you uh, experience the autonomic nervous system in that way, we are both like the sound and the image as um, creative beings in the universe. But because we've shut down the tribal sense of the, 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 the brain and the, the mind, there's something really valuable in your feedback um, in understanding what inner dance can offer us, like um, bringing about a warmth in the acoustic and then bringing a coldness in the 
visual so that we could go back into space what is a little bit too time and sequential um, in terms of orientation. Um, there's a lot in these technologies that for sure would be interesting because there is a bias depending on where you're at, whether you're in the temperate or the tropical, whether you're in the east and the west, there are many cultures that are very sound-based and would be interested in um, the imaginary, the, the visual, because they're, they're um, the way, way, way right brain. And when you look at right brain cultures, um, it doesn't really deal with individuation. It's very collectivist. It's very shame-based. It's very uh, much into the group think process. Like it doesn't have opinions. It doesn't make decisions as the I am. It's more in the we are culture. Um, there, there's a reason then where a lot of Westerners are going to be interested in the, the acoustic world. And in many ways, what Marshall McLuhan noticed with the advancement of radio and television and then the internet, digital technology is retribalizing the brain in certain ways that kind of got lost with the book. Um, the, books aren't very feedback oriented. It's, it doesn't create loops. It creates linearity uh, in a way that in a book, it's very clear that there's a beginning, a middle and an end, but there's something about sound that goes into circular time. It, it's very loopy. So this is to say that some of these technologies may not be so relevant in the West. Um, and, and the feedback you're giving, Marie, is really, really important where you're coming from. But there might be applications of different forms of virtual and augmented reality that could balance out certain imbalances that exist elsewhere. Um, and, and for sure, because these technologies are new, our literacy around this is still quite raw. And just the fact that we're in fact able to have these conversations now coming from our own personal experiences, it's really quite amazing in fact um, that, that we're, we're in it um, in very experiential ways because for us, this is reality, like uh, extended and expanded and heightened states is becoming a new reality for us. So um, the more we become literate on the language of energy itself, uh, there's something very old that's working on basic fundamentals on how consciousness itself is structured as if a baby that was newly exposed to the world was given a chance to draw out his world creation um, tendencies in a way. Yeah, like really valuable everything so far. Let's have maybe one or two more sharings and call it a day. Um, this is like a rabbit hole topic where it just keeps going on and on. It, it's really deep and I'm really glad to be in this right now. Would anyone like to share a bit? Okay, we could close as well as a possibility. Uh, let me try to work on a synthesis. And if anything else comes up, just feel free to help us close. Um, 
um, these very hackneyed terms often spoken in many different domains of thought become new significances for us. So when you mention the word body clock, for example, um, after listening to these intense insights that we're hearing, it makes us think about it um, in different ways. Like the body is a clock. Um, the human is made of clockworks. And your growing sensitivity to time means that you would walk into a room and you would start to feel that there's a time signature inside people. There's harmony, rhythm, and melody as if people's bodies were being sung. And these songs are body clocks in a way. Um, to talk about diversity, it's almost about genres. So I don't know how you would uncover your childhood explorations in music. Um, what were you exposed to? What were you interested in? Do you have Indian music in your body? Do you have an Elton John? Do you have a Guns N' Roses? Do you have uh, a Pink Floyd? Um, people who are eclectic tend to be a lot more open-minded and a lot more susceptible to different um, mind-body alterations. They, they can feel, they can sense the world in different ways. So your vocabularization in the understanding of the linguistic properties of sound, like your ability to share this will help you to expand the historicity in people's bodies, which is their body clock, culturally speaking in some ways. Imagine the gift this brings about that you will never look at Michael Jackson ever in the same way or the African drum beater. Um, <laughs> I, I, I used to have an aversion to the thought that I'm merely someone who, who travels the world with an iPhone and a portable set of speakers and, and asking people to lay down and witness a new kind of yoga. Um, I, I didn't like the identification that I was merely um, getting people to listen to music in a different way. But the more I began to understand certain things about the central nervous system, the, the shifts in the autonomic nervous system, um, I actually began to celebrate the very thought that I was uh, aversive to, that with our new understanding of music, th this is then a beautiful gift, like um, to bring people into an authentic listening, not to performative music, not music as entertainment, but music as um, a, a language of earth. Like, like in a way, th then why not that we are celebrating the earth song and that everything is viably, viably like a, a, a part of this uh, multicellular like DNA, um, rhythmic, melodic, harmonic. Um, it, it takes great responsibility to be given this in a way. Um, what's taking place in conversations like these is we're demystifying the mystical, but we're being given a greater mysticism. 
it, it's almost like pulling the rug from underneath people's feet or, or taking away the, the fogginess, you know, the haze that's um, creating spectacles and um, illusions. Everything's like smoke and mirrors. Um, but, but what if it creates a greater mystery because it's, it's earth, it's, it's earth language. It's, it's, it's um, an ability to really come to know and not just to go into that religious mystification, that, that um, spiritualism, that superstition where don't, don't think about it, just like by faith alone, just let go and surrender yourself into the unknown. What are we deserving of? And so why not have fun with this? Why not be given um, a toolkit that is just so available to us and, and, and has been the possibilities in this are limitless um, and, and, and to understand that we belong to the generation where this explosion is going to happen. I recently watched the Netflix documentary. I think it is called What We Started and it's about electronic dance music, which brings the audience into a history of where it began. Uh, and so there are these scenes of people experiencing these altered states en masse in these warehouse parties, these raves. And there's something about the languaging of the, the young people who are experiencing sound and light through the dance, through the ecstaticon, the, the bliss state, which is signifying almost like an, an end of history itself. Like, um, which then would be corollary to a beginning of history. A, a lot of the languaging is the same. It's like um, nothing matters anymore. It's like we've been through this, we've, we've learned through that, and I am simply what we are. So there is no coincidence that a lot of the expanded traditions will be coming from the descent, the the lowering of magnetism that's coming from the West, where the frustrations, the, the, the death processes have been at play for so long because they've been through uh, a history of modernism that's now coming into the postmodern. Um, what will happen is in the East and in the Global South, there will be a borrowing of that history through globalization and what comes after it with the consumerism, with the the materialism that it will bring with it, there will be uh, a realization um, that will maybe co-implicate each other. Uh, tu Wei Meng, a famous Chinese scholar, was once quoted as saying, the, the past of Europe is the future of Asia, and that the, the, the past of Asia is the future of Europe. Somehow, beyond what began in Africa, uh, we're having to correlate the different brain states that are in the tropics and are in the cold places that kind of need to learn from each other's vibrations. And a lot of the playlists need to work with unfamiliar sounds because there are many things in the Arabic, in, in the Chinese, in the, the Nepali, you know, that needs to be remembered. A lot of the laws governing uh, strange music unfamiliar music, follow time signatures to kind of break the, the documentable um, aspects that arose in the Renaissance, in the Enlightenment 
in the West that kind of cornered music as we know it that is bound by certain pleasurable laws. Um, so I like it when Rebecca brought up Daniel's playlist that, that put in the heavy metal. Uh, this is where distortion really came to a height, with, was beginning with Jimi Hendrix and uh, people who were reading the doors of perception, um, you know, people who were harnessing electricity, not through a refinement of it, but uh, speaking the song of the age that was um, mired with distrust and, and frustrations and anger and all kinds of mo emotions. Um, that have been processed actually over a period of time that we belong to. So um, there's been a lot of healing within music and you almost need to go back to the formative stages inside your own timeline because what you grow up with, you become. And, and there's a reason why we would still hearken back to the, the familiar karaoke type <laughs> Um, sounds that some people need to hear in order to go back into certain childhood memories that have stored patterns that need to be looked at so that they could let go of them. But your ability to synthesize and distort whatever is also coming to diversity will be techniques and tools that you will take with you until your grave now that you can see what's being given to us, you know, the genres of history will come into the playlist that belongs to these decades that was never possible. Can you imagine what it would have been like to give the same musical historical diversity um, 80 years ago or 90 years ago? You would need to carry all these LPs and records, uh, whatever might fit into your iPhone might, might be like a five-story building records in the past, but you, we take it for granted because it's so pervasive in our time that 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 um, we we have this. I don't know if you're familiar with Moore's law, but it's the scientific observation that we're able to double the rate of information processing capacities every four months now, or two months. That whatever space it used to take to store information. Uh, in a specific um, location, we're, we're exponentially heightening um, the, the, the data, the memories, the, the systems that used to be quite intensely extended in physical space. We're going into some kind of virtual space right now. That's why I kind of bring up that library at the end of the movie, Interstellar, or we start thinking about the Nolan conception of inception of the dream within the dream. What actually is taking place in the mind right now is a co code, codification. We're, we're becoming code. We're becoming aware of code. There's something in music that isn't just content or context, but in the extreme states of delta and gamma and hot and cold, um, you, you, you become code. And there's a rhetoric within the silence and, and the noise that a lot of people just thought was confusion or the unknowing that you start to trust as an inner peace that could exist within the chaos that is remembering 
the 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 binary inputs the 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 pro the elements of the programming that belongs to the earth experience uh, what's amazing is we're only beginning this journey now we're only really coming into awareness of it now that there's a peak point in this junction point in history that, that makes us all new and so in a way we're only beginning history at the point of ending um so yeah this conversation has just made me so happy i feel really healed that if we ended the whole thing here i'm i'm, I'm like this we're done this is this is the the very point of our our lifetime our, our journeys together total metacognition as to the the patterns of the brain sound temperature no matter what you call it like memory it all comes together in the singular point you may as well stop calling it inner dance at one point it's the story of the earth making itself known now uh, but of course there's more there's always more and uh let, let it just sit with you and maybe this will help you go back to a lot of what we've covered in the orange in the red and in the white um and then then we can go into the other colors as well so um you have my intense gratitude for actually holding the space that we can have this conversation and um, this will help you because you do have access to these recordings and it's up to you to find a way to share these contexts with your own people uh, if it does make sense to you and if you do find these important somehow so yeah um Let's close. We are, yeah, basically two and a half hours already. Um, if anyone would like to do a last sharing, you can do it now. Otherwise, yeah, maybe it's good to say goodbye for now because it's been quite a, and we don't need to let people keep listening to three hour long recordings. It's, it's so much already. So yeah, my heart is beating fast. Um, thank you. What do you guys think? Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the time. Body clock, circular time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.